I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8, starting at verse 14. For all who are being led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. For you have not received a spirit of slavery leading to fear, but you have received a spirit of adoption as sons by which we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs also, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him so that we may also be glorified with him. Okay, hey everyone. How's it going? So my name's Matt, and I would like to start by telling you a story about a friend of mine from university. So this was when I was an undergrad, and it was about six months into having been a student. And I thought I'd gotten to know this guy kind of well, you know. And one evening, we were going out to this formal dinner that had been organized by the university. And it was quite a pretentious kind of event, and it, these exist in real life. When people would enter, their names would get announced as they walked through the door. So I would walk into the dinner, and they would announce Mr. Matthew Chapman. And then the next person would come in, you know, announce their name. So we were at this dinner, and I walked in, heard my name. And then as I was walking to my seat, I heard the announcer boom in a big, loud voice, the Right Honorable Count of Buckinghamshire. And I was thinking, what? I didn't know someone famous was here. And I look around, and to my utter amazement, walking through the door is my friend. And it turns out, completely unbeknown to me, that he was the great, 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 great grandson of an admiral who'd won an important naval battle for the King of England in the 1700s. And he was actually the heir to this great estate and title. Now, the reason I tell this story is because, you know, my friend in that situation, he looked completely ordinary on the outside, but unbeknown to me, he had a great status. Now, our theme today is all about the fathership of God, and I think the same thing applies to us. We might look ordinary on the outside, we might even feel ordinary, but as children who've been adopted by God, we have a great status. And as children of the king, I believe he's calling us to think on a bigger scale. And that's what I'm going to talk about today. So the verse I'm looking at specifically is verse 15. So I'll just read that again. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him, we cry, Abba, Father. So this is one of the most precious themes in the whole Bible, our status as children of God. But it's actually the first time in the book of Romans that Paul has used this metaphor. And to understand what he means and why he chooses to talk about it as an adoptive relationship, we need to dig a little bit into the context and understand what adoption really looked like in Roman times. So in this context, 2,000 years ago, in ancient Rome, the people that Paul was writing to, adoption worked a little bit differently than it does now. It was particularly common amongst the upper classes, and one of the chief reasons for adoption was actually to provide a male heir who could inherit the family estate once the family patriarch passed away. So, you know, often slaves would get adopted as a way of kind of giving them a status and inheritance in a family that they'd served for years. 
And actually, lots of the most famous Roman emperors were adopted as well. So Augustus, who was the emperor when Jesus was born, was himself adopted by Julius Caesar at age 18. So when Paul's using this metaphor of being adopted into God's family, he's evoking this imagery of someone being chosen for a specific purpose. Not at random, and it doesn't stop there. They're being chosen for a specific purpose, and then the training begins for all that's prepared for them. And I think a problem is that while as Christians we might know in our heads, like we, you know, we're adopted by the king, God's our father. How many times do we hear that? But I think whilst we know that we've been adopted into royalty, we sometimes retain our old ways of thinking and acting. And the fact is that royalty just don't think on the same scale as the rest of us. And to illustrate this, I would like to tell a short story about, you guessed it, golf. This, as I joked earlier, this serves the dual purpose of helping me if any hecklers get an idea, I can take you down. Stephen has threatened this, so keep an eye on him specifically. Um, so anyway, years ago, a famous golfer was invited by the king of Saudi Arabia to come and play golf with him. He accepted. The king of Saudi Arabia flew his private jet over to the United States to pick up this golfer. And he came, and they had a great time playing golf for a few days. Now, at the end of the trip, as the golfer was getting back on the plane, the king said to him, I'd like to give you a gift for making this time so special. What would you like? And he was, you know, a little bit hesitant initially. I don't know if he was British. I, I, I don't know. But he was a little bit hesitant. No, you don't have to get me anything. But the king insisted. And eventually, he was like, OK, fine. I collect golf clubs. Why don't you get me a golf club? And on the plane home, he couldn't help but let his imagination run away with itself. This would be a gift from the oil-rich king of Saudi Arabia. Perhaps there would be a solid gold putter with his name engraved on it, or a sand wedge studded with diamonds and jewels. Anyway, so he got home, and every day he's checking the post, you know, where's my golf club? And it's just not turning up. And after a few weeks, he throws his hands up and he says, maybe he's just forgotten about me. Maybe there's nothing coming. But then one day, out of the blue, he gets a letter in the post, and it's embossed with the royal seal of the kingdom of Saudi Arabia. And he's thinking, what's this? Where's my golf club? And he opens his envelope, and to his great surprise, inside is the title deed to a golf club, <laughs> complete with 18 holes, a clubhouse, and even a swimming pool. The point I'm making is that when we're dealing with royalty, they think on a completely different scale. A completely different scale. He was thinking about one of these little sticky things, and this guy was thinking about a whole resort. That's just where his mind naturally went when he said golf club. Now, I think it's important to clarify at this point that what I am not saying is that God is going to give you a golf club. <laughs> not necessarily he might, I don't know. No promises, though. If we look down in verse 17, Paul actually says that we are his children if we share in his sufferings. And I don't have time to go into that, but clearly our inheritance is bound up with our sufferings, and it's not all you know, smooth sailing from here. But what this does mean is that as children of the king, we are adopted into his family and playing by his rules. He chose you specifically because he loves you and because he has a purpose for your life. 
And I think so often we get trapped in these old ways of thinking, thinking on a small scale. God, just help me get over this you know, sin or just help me do this small thing. And I think God wants to say to us today, upscale your thinking. We're dealing with royalty here. So don't be afraid. Look up, walk tall, come boldly to God as daughters and sons, and don't limit your thinking about what he can do. Amen.